The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So uh, welcome, everyone. Um, raise your hand if you can hear me. Just want to see. Yes, great. Thank you. Um, so it's great to be able to do this with each other this afternoon in, since we can't go to IMC and some of us aren't even in the same state. <laughs> uh, but I'm really delighted you're all here and um, that um, we're all here. So um, we first set out, you know, in the fall on the study of the Eightfold Path with two path factors that continue to provide perspective um, throughout on what we're doing. You know, the wisdom group of right view and right intention. So during the past three months, um, you've been working with the second group, the moral discipline group of uh, right speech, right action, and right livelihood. So this month, we're going to begin the third group of the Eightfold Path, um, which is sometimes referred to as the group for uh, mental training or mental cultivation. And it's, it's how we're training our minds and hearts to become free of suffering and stress, you know, the how. <laughs> so um, these three path factors are called right effort, which we'll focus on today. Bruni and I are going to spend time with that, with you. Right mindfulness and right concentration. So as we approach uh, these factors that cultivate the mind and heart, um, let's hold these names of these maybe a bit lightly. You know, for those of us who are tending to strive too much, the effort in right effort can feel a little too pushy or too heavy. Um, so finding a lighter way to think of this, maybe instead of effort, um, we could think of what we're up to when we approach meditation or mindfulness, you know, it's a, it's some, maybe to begin with some gentle level or sometimes strong level of doing, but being aware just enough doing to allow us to begin and continue being aware of what we're noticing in meditation or in daily life again and again. Um, on the other hand, if you're not prone to striving, but you might tend as uh, some people to, may have a tendency on some days to uh, kind of get into a state of bliss, not really fully attentive or be a little foggy or maybe sluggish or um, restless or worried. Um, you know, there's a different level of doing for each of these states or a different level of effort that's necessary to stay with the here and now of mindfulness. So, you know, this, can, this subject of vocabulary seems to be particularly um, useful to think about with these cultivation factors, mental cultivation factors. So mindfulness, you know, we'll get to next month. Um, it's a word we use so much that we may not, we may lose a sense of what we mean by it. So when we look into right mindfulness next month, um, it'll give us a chance to look at what we're actually doing when we're being mindful and how we're doing it. Then um, in May, we'll move into what's called right concentration. Again, another word that can be a little misleading. Um, it, we're basically with that third factor, uh, stabilizing the mind, 
letting our intentions of mindfulness and some very uh, measured uh, effort based on what is needed help us settle the body and mind, help us collect ourselves and um, bring some focus to the meditation that we're doing. So um, reflecting on these three groups, you know, the wisdom group, the uh, moral discipline group, and then now our mental cultivation group. Um, I'm sure you may be aware by now of their interwoven nature. Uh, they're not linear or necessarily even sequential. So if you hadn't had some degree of right effort, right mindfulness and right concentration, um, you wouldn't have even been able to see many of the things you've already been able to see. Um, you know, differentiating between what's helpful and what's not helpful it, it, when you make choices with respect to speech, action, and livelihood, for example. So right view was there when you saw the ways you or other people uh, suffered or were stressed as a result of speech, action, or the way we produce and consume in this world. Right intention was there. Um, when, anytime you caught a sense of that feeling of you know, a little more lightness or freedom when there was some kindness or there was some letting go or there was some um, non-harming present. So right, in, right view and right intention have been woven into your experience. And I think maybe you saw how the um, factors of right speech, right action, and right livelihood really blend and um, inform one another. So today we're going to have the opportunity to, uh, to uh, offer some a little bit of uh, guided meditation after I finish speaking here, and then um, a brief talk about the first part of practicing right effort, which is um, recognizing and abandoning when we're in some state that's not of mind that's not very helpful. Um, so I'll spend some time talking about that. And then we'll have time for uh, some small breakout groups as we have been doing. So you'll have a chance to learn from one another um, and reflect on how you apply effort. Um, then Bruni will talk about um, the second part of this right effort, uh, which is, you know, uh, cultivating and maintaining really helpful states of mind. Um, and we'll have more time for a breakout group. So um, I look forward to our spending this time together and let's start with a guided meditation. So uh, feel free to take your time to notice how you are right now. Just going into this, you know, what's your intention for it? How are you? What's your state of body and mind and heart? And giving yourself time to get into a comfortable and alert meditation posture. releasing into the body and maybe into the arms of gravity.
if it's useful, briefly scanning the body in bit by bit, allowing whatever can release and relax to ease a little bit. Perhaps noticing what's happening in the head and the face. and allowing some ease. And scanning down slowly to the neck and the shoulders, the arms, whatever can be let go of in the way of tension, allowing that to fall away or simply noticing how things are. Blowing the attention through the torso, the belly, the back. And allowing what's present with some spaciousness. Letting the attention flow down into the hips, the legs as they rest against the chair or cushion, the feet resting against the floor. And bringing your sense of presence to the whole body as it sits here. Giving it its own time to settle into this meditation. Easefully, gently, perhaps noticing what's the minimum you need to do. Maybe much of it is simply noticing what's going on. Relaxing around it, softening around it. This may shift away from tensions and distractions towards a more settled state, or it may bring to awareness whatever tensions and distractions are present and allow them to be noticed. Just taking in what's happening, receiving it,
letting the movement of your breathing be received. And clearly noting or noticing the feeling of your body, your breath, whatever is most prominent as you sit, receiving it. Noticing the kindest way to allow your attention to come back again and again, or to simply stay steadily with what is arising from moment to moment. allowing that the mind wanders off from time to time. And you can gently, without hurrying, notice it and bring it back, using the intentions of being kind to yourself, receiving what is happening, not needing to fix it, simply knowing it. Receiving awareness and anything that arises or passes in awareness. Perhaps noticing if there's any attitude of mind towards what's arising or passing. or being with it with some simplicity. simply allowing the mind to notice. 
to receive. Allowing whatever is happening into awareness. If the mind is distracted, allowing that into awareness. If it's steady, allowing that. Receiving every state equally. Receiving the flavor of where the mind goes or what comes into awareness. Is the flavor that of equanimity? Is the flavor that of wanting something? Not wanting something? drifting away. High activity, low activity. What's the least amount of doing that can allow you to continue cultivating awareness of what's happening in a helpful way? Some states will call for even less energy, and others will call for more energy. And in the last couple of minutes of this meditation, experiment with doing nothing. Just being and seeing what happens.
So maybe that was a little taste of what level of effort uh, happened just in, in a simple 15 minute sitting. Um, when we work with right effort or looking at um, what we need to set in motion or keep in motion for meditation, um, it's helpful to recognize that it's not one fixed level of effort. You know, maybe you've noticed that if you haven't been meditating in a while or you were rushing around or very busy earlier today, perhaps it took a little more energy or more effort to become centered and sit um, and to settle down. On the other hand, if you've been meditating a lot lately or you're enjoying a calm day or a calm period in your life, um, sometimes it takes very little to settle in and deepen in meditation. So it's worthwhile as we go through this month to notice uh, your experiences around the, the varying levels of energy or effort required in various situations. So right effort involves seeing clearly that we can let go of things or, or recognize things that aren't working and um, bring them to an end or let them go or let them lift off of us. And we can also cultivate the things that help us more. Um, it's really looking more deeply at the fact that we can be conscious of what we're actually doing when we sit and, how, and when we go about mindfulness in daily life. And the doing can be as simple as noticing. So I, I really appreciate that one of the t Burmese teachers, Sayada Utejaniya, uh, says that if you're tired by the end of a meditation or a day of meditation, you're doing it wrong. And I take that to mean, you know, you've been working, uh, you've been over-efforting. You you've been putting too much energy in and all you need to do is step back and, and be with it or notice it more. So... Um, Energy is a mental factor that's behind this idea of right effort. And you've probably experienced what happens in your body and mind when you sit in meditation and there's a high level of energy um, coursing through your body. You know, it, it, what happens when you have a lot of energy and you sit down to meditate? Um, on the other hand, what happens at times when you have too little energy? when you're meditating. I'm guessing that people have experienced, you, you may have one type of experience, too much energy or too little that you frequently experience, or it may have been all over the map for you depending on the day and the sitting. So there are these, uh, you know, there's a, probably a healthy level of energy for any particular uh, day or time to be um, meditating, to be mindful, to be kind, to be generous, to understand another person, to exercise um, relinquishment of things that aren't, aren't great for us. So, you know, there's all these different, different levels of energy. And energy that tends in a wholesome direction um, might be expressed uh, one way, you know, feeling peaceful, feeling happy. But we can start by recognizing when energy tends in an unwholesome direction, maybe it's the energy is expressing itself as craving or ambition or um, 
trying to control things in some way that exerts too much pressure on ourselves or others. So this energy involved in right effort um, is sensing what level of uh, energy helps our state of mind lead or lean towards more freedom, incline. So um, we prime ourselves for this by, rec we've been priming ourselves for this all year by recognizing causes of suffering and addressing them with kindness, um, non-harming and letting go. Um, we've spent the last three months noticing how actions of uh, mind, body, and speech have consequences that either take us in the direction of less stress or more. So you've been practicing with levels of effort during the uh, daily life during the past three months. It, there may be some way that you found um, that you apply your uh, mental and bodily energy um, in a, a a good way that improves things um, between you and yourself or between you and other people when you engaged in right speech or when you engaged in right action or when you looked at how you produce and consume. Um, so you were applying a helpful level of effort, right effort or energy, even to notice what was going on with those things, um, to notice what you were thinking, saying and doing um, and whether it had wholesome or unwholesome results. And that level of effort allows you to uh, apply choice, right effort in, in choosing more helpful ways to speak, act, and produce and consume. So that's right effort in a nutshell. And our first two tasks are the ones that I'll, I'll focus on, which is um, they're offered in the suttas in this way, preventing the arising of unwholesome states and abandoning unwholesome states that have arisen. So again, you do these things um, probably pretty frequently without consciously thinking about it. I'm guessing um, that, especially now, each person here has strategies for preventing the arising of unhealth, uh, lack of health. Um, we're all thinking a lot about this these days, perhaps not touching our face, washing our hands frequently, sterilizing or sanitizing frequently touched surfaces in our homes or offices. So, you know, that's a strategy for present, preventing the arising of an un, unwholesome state in daily life. And we can do the same uh, in, with our mental states. For example, if, if your kids have come home from college or your kids aren't able to go to school and you're not able to go to the office and you're all at home right now, um, you will probably be preventing the arising of the unwholesome mental states that lead to snapping at each other, feeling too cooped up with each other. You know, you'll be exercising a lot of right effort in preventing unwanted things um, with this new situation. Um, you, you probably also have exercised strategies for abandoning, abandoning unwholesome states that you see that have already come up. So if you've ever stopped yourself from ruminating over and over about something that happened during your workday when you're trying to sit in meditation or um, some, you know, thing that uh, a mistake you made or something someone else did, but you, you kind of recognize it's not worth it to spin a lot of mental energy around it, then you've abandoned an unwholesome state. 
By the way, that's not necessarily easy. Sometimes people are caught with that again and again. If you've ever craved something that wasn't healthy for you and instead done something healthy, you've abandoned an unwholesome state. For example, I, you know, I think Gil was rec uh, recommending in a recent Dharma talk, please don't sit in front of Netflix and binge watch while you're um, you know, practicing social distancing. That might lead to, you know, that might be an unwholesome state that results from that. And so abandoning that. So in the second uh, half of our session today, Bruni will talk about how to arouse and maintain wholesome states, which is the other two crucial steps for right effort. But, you know, we, we always have to start, I think, with, with each of these path factors with um, the, the, the things that, aren't, that are causing suffering for us. And so um, one thing we can do that can help us with unwholesome states is to study them as what, you know, this uh, way that Buddhist uh, teachers and the Buddha categorized and recognized them and sometimes called them defilements or the five hindrances. So these five hindrances are intentions, thoughts, and actions that don't have good consequences. Um, they can be ways that we suffer inside ourselves, ways that we're suffering interpersonally, or both. Um, and they tend to lead to more suffering. So um, in recognizing these five hindrances, um, they're normal human tendencies that uh, affect our ability, interfere with our ability to stay mindful um, <clears throat> and to practice wise action. They hinder the mind, the reason they're called hindrances, they hinder the mind from becoming calm, insightful, and wise. So the first two of these five hindrances are sensual desire and aversion, which is sometimes called ill will. So these are considered uh, two of the most powerful of the five in blocking our growth on the path. So these are two things we wanna recognize when, they've, uh, when they're about to come up. And if they're already here, we wanna abandon them. Um, the three remaining uh, of the five hindrances are considered to be offshoots of delusion. So they get in the way when we fail to notice what's happening here and now. So the third one is sloth and torpor, the fourth restlessness and worry, and the fifth doubt. So um, just to go a little bit more in depth into each of these things that we can recognize when they're present so that we can begin the process of abandoning uh, or find the way, what way would we abandon these things? Sensual desire would include a thirst for or some way clinging to or depending on sense pleasures, seeing, tasting, hearing, touching, smelling, uh, thinking. Um, and, you know, sometimes these are things that are very pleasurable to us. You know, we, there are things that are pleasurable to the mind, like success, however you construe that, or doing well, or um, situations that you crave. And it's one of our natural human tendencies to want things to be pleasant. But when we get stuck on having to have more of that pleasant thing, or that being the panacea that's going to take care of everything, then we're experiencing the hindrance of sensual desire. Aversion or ill will are things like anger, resentment, being repulsed, or pushing away what we don't want um, in ourselves, in other people, or in situations. The mind rejects 
and doesn't want what's happening or might happen. So I'll, I'm guessing there's a fair amount of the second hindrance of aversion or ill will going on right now as we're in the, the midst of this pandemic situation. Uh, third, sloth and torpor. Those are physical or mental manifestations of too little energy. So it's important to notice what your bodily state of energy and your mental state of energy is if you're going to practice right effort. And sometimes we can fall into a sluggishness, dullness, cloudiness, lack of clarity. And by the way, it's not the same thing as um, lack of sleep. So if, you, if you're sleep deprived, you need to get sleep. But these are things that just let the mind and body slip into unawareness or resistance to what's actually happening. Um, this, this can happen in practice more subtly, maybe, uh, than you know, when we're sitting. It can, it can occur in some very subtle ways. Um, there could be many, many people right now that are experiencing the hindrance, the fourth hindrance of restlessness and worry. So too much energy in the body or mind. Um, it could be overexcitement or agitation or worry, not being able to sit in meditation, um, a feeling of uh, too many things to do. You can't meditate or stay focused. Um, it can show up in, in worry over the future or remorse over the past um, this, you can imagine, this keeps the mind and body from noticing what's happening right now if we're too future focused. And then the fifth hindrance of doubt uh, manifests as chronic indecisiveness and an inability to commit to practice, um, maybe confusion or negative attitudes towards yourself, the teachers, the teachings, the, the um, practice, you know, so it's, it's not just questions or normal curiosity. Those are healthy. It's really when um, you're not exploring, you're just kind of spinning or, or feeling doled out by doubt about these things. If you're actively exploring and seeking answers to questions, um, that's helpful to practice. So uh, there are some skillful ways to work with these five hindrances. Um, you can find them online um, if you go to the Insight Meditation Center website and you click on the Audio Dharma link, a page will pop up that has a brown band down the left and um, there, there's a, the five hindrances will be listed there and you can click on that and get a series of talks by Gil, uh, Franz Stahl about them and also um, some guided meditations from Inez Friedman. So, you know, how do we pre how do we prevent these hindrances from arising? Um, one of the primary ways to do this is to use our mental energy and the amount of doing necessary to do what's called guarding the sense doors. Um, we're constantly bombarded by uh, sight, smell, sounds, tastes, uh, body feelings, touch, and, and thoughts. You know, so our eyes, noses, ears, mouths, tongues, bodies, minds are sub subject to bombardment from our environment. But the problem is not what's outside in terms of these stimuli that makes the difference between whether we're in the grip of hindrances or not. It's not what's coming in. It's what goes on in the mind after our sense organs receive that input. So we've got conditioned habits 
um, that tend to pop up again and again. And for example, if we're stressed out and we've developed a habit of self-soothing with sense pleasures, that first hindrance, um, we're gonna maybe experience craving when we're stressed. We might be wanting food, drink, sex, entertainment, video games, you name it, whatever it is that we've found to be pleasurable or soothing. Um, or if when we're stressed, we've developed habits, conditioned habits of mental irritability or resistance or tightening, we may find ourselves um, getting uh, resistant or tight or crabby or angry when we're stressed. So the way we would counter those habits with guarding the sense doors doesn't mean we're trying to avoid the sensory world. Um, that's, that's not possible. We're going to continue to see and smell and taste and touch and hear and think throughout our lives. But it's not the external world that's the problem. It's what we do with that. So the trick is not to be grabbed by the senses unmindfully. So if we let the mind grab onto a sense pleasure or habit that we find to be soothing, um, we're going to be reinforcing that conditioning that we've got to have that thing in order to relax. And also the mind tends to proliferate around it. I'm guessing most of you have noticed this around when you get uh, angry about things and how angry thoughts tend to proliferate, proliferate other angry thoughts, bodily tension, and a lot of things that tend in the direction of more conditioning. Um, so this can be, you know, really proliferating a lot or can sometimes be subtle. We just land on something a little too long and we've conditioned yet another layer of greed or aversion or restlessness or um, worry about it or doubt about it. Um, so, you know, allowing yourself to recognize examples of when your mind got carried away by something you saw or something you heard or felt in your body or tasted or touched or um, thought. And the way we prevent these patterns is mindfulness of the sense door, which uh, is, that's what guarding the sense door is. It's just mindfulness as you look at things as you smell things, as you think things. By the way, it, it all tends to happen really quickly. So um, if we just keep coming back to renewing our mindfulness throughout the day and throughout our sittings and our daily life activities, we may be able to um, notice what is being sensed at the sense doors. Um, maybe even take a step further and notice whether we're experiencing it as pleasant or unpleasant. Um, so this is, you know, one very helpful way to begin to notice when a hindrance or an unwholesome state of mind is present. Now, despite our best efforts, these are going to arise for some time. You know, it's part of what we're working on when we're cultivating more um, conducive states of mindfulness and right effort towards freedom. So um, we're going to find we've been conditioned more strongly in some areas than, than others. You know, for some of us, thinking is really, it's so strongly conditioned that it's, it's a big one, or it might be sights, or it might be sounds. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, can happen. 
Um, so, and our mindfulness varies, our level of energy varies throughout the day. Um, so it's, there's going to be different levels of energy and different levels of mindfulness and attention that are required to not get caught and dragged into a hindrance. Um, once we notice that we are caught in the hindrances, how are we going to abandon? You know, there's this first state of, of knowing these things well enough to perhaps catch them early and prevent them from arising. But then there's the second piece of right effort, which is how do we abandon it or let go of it once a hindrance is present? One thing you'll find on Audio Dharma in those five hindrance talks is an acronym that I'll briefly describe here that will help, which is B-E-L-L-A. So Bella and the acronym B, B is for be with the arisen hindrance. Notice that it's there. Um, feel the energy in the body. Feel what you know is happening in the mind with it. Then E from Bella is examine how it feels. You know, really explore that. Uh, along with the effects that come from it, uh, and maybe how it arose. Maybe that's available to you. L, the first L is lessen its effects with skills like relaxation. Could be sharpened attention, for example, if you're feeling that dull uh, sloth and torpor state or understanding the underlying cause. Um, and then the second L is let go by removing underlying causes. So for example, a great way to remove the underlying cause of aversion of being tense or agitated when you don't allow enough time to drive someplace is to allow more time to drive there. And then the final, the A in Bella is appreciate. Appreciate any ease, any ease that come up in the mind and body. And that, as the hindrance dissipates, you can notice any ease and that noticing of ease helps the hindrance to dissipate. Um, recognize the benefits of the absence of the hindrance. Um, and feel that little bit of lightning or, or freedom or easing up. So there are lots more antidotes to allow you to abandon these unhelpful states um, that, can, that you can bring in. So one antidote to the hindrance, you know, if you find yourself in, a, in one of the hindrances, is to knock it out of your mind by focusing on its opposite. So, for example, if you are prone to the, this craving of some form of soothing that's not particularly helpful in the end, you could remember that, remember and think about, ah, acting on this, you know, urge to binge watch right now is not really going to help me. I'm going to be tired at the end of it. I'm not going to feel any more um, peaceful. Maybe I won't do it. Um, or if, if aversion comes up, you could knock it out with, um, for let's take, for example, let's say that you're feeling very fearful about the coronavirus outbreak um, and you're worried about it. One of the things that can help shift that when it's become a hindrance for you of just being fearful um, is to recognize and, and allow your mind to notice the positive steps you're taking to exercise wisdom with your health. Um, if you got sluggish or sleepy during a sitting, you can knock that kind of out of your mind by remembering that you can sit up more straight, open your eyes, stand up to meditate. 
if restlessness is interfering with your meditation, you could turn the mind towards uh, the details and the calming qualities of breathing in and breathing out if those are available to you. If doubt arises, already said, you can ask constructive questions and that shifts the mind, takes it out of the hindrance and into something more constructive. Another method um, is to, and, and these are related, they're kind of shades of what you would do, but deliberately diverting your attention away from the hindrance that's arisen after you've recognized it is, you know, I, I find even the words, sometimes it depends on how strong the hindrance is, but sometimes just words like release, relax, abandon, let go. Sometimes just that just is enough. Other times it requires more exploration, more of that BELLA acronym. Um, we can do, in the E of BELLA, we can do a lot of confronting the hindrance directly by almost turning it into the object of our meditation, investigating where this is coming from, how it's acting and how it's catching us. And that's the beginning of abandoning it. And then, you know, maybe the last resort, but sometimes we have to do it or it may be, uh, it may work, is to vigorously restrain the unwholesome, the hindrance, the thought, the, you know, behavior by force of will. So it's kind of the equivalent of keeping your hand pressed firmly down on your dog's hindquarters while, when you're training them and you, you're commanding, sit, stay. <laughs> so, you know, there, maybe there are occasions in which that's helpful. So, you know, whichever of the techniques you explore, this process of recognizing uh, when a hindrance or an unwholesome state of mind is coming up and catching it early, or catching it whenever, wherever it is. It could, it could have been going on for days or weeks. Catching it, recognizing it, and then exploring some of these methods of abandoning it, you know, trying these different things to see what starts to ease it up, what starts to help it release its grip on us. So I'm hoping that some of these things will be helpful to you this month as you practice this. And um, next we'll turn to um, Bruni for a breakout session. Great. Thank you so much, Liz. Such a timely teaching. Um, so hello, everyone. This is a joy uh, to be with all of you right now and uh, practicing together. You know, this is... This is why we practice, you know, to meet everything that comes up, every single experience, everything. And so um, we continue engaging in the path uh, with wise efforts. So we're going to go into breakout sessions today. I mean, we're going to go into breakout sessions now. And let me give you the questions. I, I'm going to give you two questions that I want you to explore. The first question Excuse me, Bruni. Yes. Would it be all right if I explain the mechanics first and then you give the questions while I'm setting up the groups? I think that would make it go a little easier. Okay, let's do that. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Sorry. Yeah. Go okay. ahead. Okay. 
so we're going to try to use this breakout group feature on Zoom. So what will happen after, after Bruni's finished explaining the questions is that I will be automatically sorting you all into groups of three or four. And you might get a little prompt that says, do you want to join the breakout group and say yes. And then you'll just appear on the screen with three or four other people. Okay. And you'll have about 15 minutes to discuss the questions. And then there'll be a thing comes up that says there's six, there's a minute left before we close the breakout group. So it gives you a little minute of warning. Okay. So I think there may be some people in the audience who aren't quite connected with their audio. So if you get someone in your group who is not responding, just, just go on with the other people who are there. There isn't much more we can do about that right now. Okay, and so we'll leave you, uh, when Bernie's finished explaining the question, we'll, leave, we'll have about 15 minutes for the group. And uh, so if it's weird and not working for some reason, come back in 15 minutes and it will be over. <laughs> but I hope it works. It worked well at the previous meeting we had. Thanks, Bernie. Go ahead. Okay, thank you, Chris. Um, okay. So the first question is, what associations and experiences do you have with effort that are not helpful in your Dharma practice? Let me repeat it. What associations and experiences do you have with effort that are not helpful in Dharma practice, in your Dharma practice? The second question, just wait to think some of you are still writing. Okay. So the second question is, what kinds of effort are most helpful for you in Dharma practice? What kinds of efforts, yeah, what kinds of effort are most helpful for you in Dharma practice? And so, let me see, I see some of you are still writing. Bruni, I just, um, I sent a chat to everyone that right. uh, wrote what the question is, and I will do that with a second question as well, um, so that everybody should be able to see a chat right now, and it should tell you what the first question was. I'll repeat that with a question too. Great, thank you. Thank you, Tanya. So then the way in which we're going to be uh, doing the, the, the group, exploring, doing these uh, exploration is we're going to go around, as we have done it before, going around um, the group, and you will share. You will share your answer to the question, and then you will pass it to the next person, and the next person will share, and then the next person will share. And... Uh, as we're going to have groups of three, we're going to have, 
we're going to have uh, two minutes each for, you know, for answering. And so there's going to be a bell. Tanya is going to be ringing the bell. Thank you, Tanya. And then um, after that, then you can proceed to the second question. And we're going to do the same thing. We're going to go around each person taking a time to respond mindfully, and then the rest of the group will listen mindfully. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure it's possible to ring a bell that's heard in all the rooms. You, we might need to send a text. We might need to send a, a, I have a way to send a message to all the groups, so we can okay. do it where another. Okay, so, so be alert then to, to the text uh, section, to the chat section then. Uh, okay, Is, are there any questions? Okay, so Chris, you can proceed with the magic of breakout groups. Zoom magic. And, uh, and then we will have, you know, one minute to settle and then you can start. Uh, maybe we can give a time where we all uh, will come back. Is that okay? Right? So let's see. I have... Uh, what about coming back <coughs> at eight, eight after two? Okay. All right. Just a, a, a request that um, to, if you want to speak, hold your hand up, keep it up. Don't just pop it up. Yeah. Cause we're looking, trying to scan everybody. So. Okay. Tori. Yeah. Tori, go ahead. Um, I had a hard time with the first question, like what kind of right effort. We, we actually kind of skipped that one and only did what was helpful in our Dharma talk because it was hard to understand the negation of what, what wasn't helpful. Okay. Okay. Um, so in terms of how it is that maybe I can say a few things about, about that inquiry. Uh, in terms of what, what kind of effort will not be helpful in Dharma practice? It may be some, some things that uh, Liz mentioned. Um, you know, if there is uh, some effort that as we engage in it, it brings more stress. If it brings, um, you know, the, the, if it emphasizes or nourishes qualities within us that bring more suffering or that will bring more uh, contraction, that may be a sign that, well, you know, maybe, maybe this is not as useful. I'm getting more, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting more contracted and I'm getting more um, and I'm struggling more. So it's almost like there's a teaching from the Buddha that uh, there's a monastic that comes to, to him. Uh, this monastic used to be a musician and um, the monastic uh, also brings the, the issues of, of uh, their Dharma practice and say, you know, I don't know. I don't know. If I'm, if I'm being successful in my, 
meditation practice. And so the Buddha says, well, when you tune in your instrument, your musical instrument, if you make the, 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 the strings too tight, how does it sound? And so, well, you know, it may be, it, 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 if, if, you, if you tune it too tight, it may not have the right sound. Or if the strings are too loose, it may not be uh, sound um, uh, tuned neither. So we, we, we get to see through our practice what is beneficial and what is not by maybe seeing how we how the attitude in the mind supports our practice. Um, so that is something to offer just in, in terms of how it is that we can see what is not helpful. And, and I'll talk more about, about other things in my talk. Anything else? Yeah, this is Ram. Uh, I shared it with my group, but uh, uh, one of the feedback, uh, Chris, uh, we, I didn't see the halfway point uh, alert, but I got a one-minute alert, and uh, we couldn't, I couldn't plan it exactly to end it. It ended a bit abruptly on our side, which is fine. Uh, we'll plan better going forward. I think to ask the question, the two things that I shared, which I thought uh, what I learned through my own practice is if I'm stimulated a lot mentally, either it's driving through traffic or watching TV news for a long time, and then right after that, if I try to sit and try to meditate, it's definitely not the same quality as I would like. It's mentally, I'm definitely disturbed very much so. So I'm also, I've been practicing mostly, uh, I mean, uh, two, three times a day. When I practice at 5, 5.30 a.m. in the morning, I'm uh, least stimulated, I feel much better quality from a meditation perspective or even engagement perspective. So kind of in a, I'm an early stage of my retirement, I'm starting to take 45 minute naps in the afternoon, but when I get out from a nap and then meditate after that, it certainly is carrying through much more better, less agitation, uh, better uh, ability to attract the mind, right? Uh, that's the first observation that I've seen about my the stimulation, what I'm exposed to is carrying through in my mind, <laughs> whether I like it or not, I'm having less control over it, right? Second one, a couple of weeks ago, I was at an IRC retreat. During walking meditation, I literally took a very, very fast walk, just wanted to raise my heart rate and see how I feel about my body if I'm walking and all that stuff. So when I'm exerting physically and then come and sit after that for a sitting meditation, it didn't go well as well. At least I didn't feel uh, as relaxed or as, uh, as calm as I would otherwise. So which kind of taught me in both cases, right, that are not experiences that are not helpful is uh, how I engage with or even in meditation, I got to understand how much stimulated I am or not rush between activity to activity and create enough pauses in between the activities, slow myself down either I'm engaging with the people or at least sitting and meditating. And that's uh, pretty much my own discovery myself. Thank you. Thank you, Ram. Anyone else, even though I don't see you, but I know you see me. 
Is that me? Okay. So I think what we saw is these are two sides of the same coin. And the bottom line that we were looking at is if you try to force something, mm -hmm. it's not going to work. But if you relax into it and let go, it's probably going to be a lot better. Beautiful. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Hi. Hi. As we're talking, I was thinking about um, this idea of attitude. Um, because uh, it seems that it will be my attitude that could determine whether or not, to some degree, effort is right or not in some ways. So I might be able, I might, I might do something that, nor, I'm just going to use an example. I, I might do something sure. that normally wouldn't be right effort, right? Like I really, really want that latte. And um, I, I'm going to go, uh, you know, and it's definitely, but I'm wondering if, if my attitude, is it, is it actually my attitude? Because in that moment, I might be able to say, oh, look at that. Look at that. You know, and have that sort of equanimous, compassionate. Wouldn't that be more my attitude, stepping in sort of to work with that sensual desire? You know, even whether or not I get the latte, maybe I walk in and I go, I'm just going to be here and really present for this experience. I'm going to, you know, with, and so then it is my mental attitude towards the experience, whether or not, is that right? So now, even though I'm getting the latte and then I drink it and I go, you know, it, it didn't work. It really didn't work. Like I had to pay money for this. I'm really not feeling any better. Do you know what I'm saying? I guess I'm just wondering how much attitude is dancing with this whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I can say a few things. And Elise, if you want to um, say something in terms of within the context of what you talked about. Um, so, you know, there is, I think that there is the attitude, there is the attitude that, you know, within which we hold the experience. And there is also, um, the attitude may have the, the flavor of wanting or not wanting, Susan, like uh, as you're talking about, you know, wanting the latte. And there is also kind of, um, the energy that Liz was talking about behind the effort, the energy that, that, that drives the, the us taking, making some effort into, into uh, taking a wise action. So for example, that energy can be supported by our understanding of wise view and wise intention. So if we remember, you know, the perspective of, okay, I'm, I want in this latte, I'm clinging. And um, we remember, you know, kind of the, the perspective of, of wise view, how it is that we clean, how it is that we can, you know, if we stop clinging, like actions have consequences. And I will talk a little bit more about this. Um, and then reminding our intention of, um, 
you know, an intention of being kind to ourselves, compassionate and letting go, that may support us in making, in taking, make, making wise effort and, and, and then acting wisely. But there, then there are other ways which also, you know, have to do with the attitude and is what Liz talked about. And I don't, let me see if I can see, what, for some reason I'm not seeing Liz now. Um, so Bruni, I'll, I'll speak oh, up here. here. Okay, yeah, great. Yes. Thank you for those, those ideas. And um, Susan, I really appreciate that what you're talking about um, is, can be very useful in that acronym B-E-L-L-A-E is examine or explore. And so if I noticed that I was tempted um, by the latte in a way that just felt really tight and clingy and I had to have the latte, um, and that was part of my attitude is like, I, I got to have this thing to relax um, or to feel good, then I could, I could really explore that and I could explore what happened. Um, you know, I might even notice, and I've done, I've done ex similar explorations where I noticed that my body relaxed and my mind relaxed before I even bought it. When I walked into the store, there's this relief and like, oh, isn't that interesting? It's not about having the latte. There's something else going on. <coughs> so I, I really, there are times when it is very, very useful and important to do that E, that examine, explore the hindrance that's arisen and, and maybe walk through it step by step. So thanks for bringing that up. Okay, um, I think that we are now um, ready to maybe take a break. Yeah, let's, let's take a break of uh, four or five minutes. And then we'll get back to for the for the talk on um, Arising and arousing and maintaining wholesome states. How about okay. you suggest um, two thirty, Bruni? It's two twenty-five now or two two twenty-nine. Two thirty. Two thirty is good. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Okay. So I want to. Uh, talk now, share with you uh, the other two ways in which um, the Buddha, um, uh, the, the two other teachings uh, for, that the Buddha gave us to apply ourselves in, in making effort that arouse and maintain um, wholesome states of mind. So, there is uh, these, the, the, for, for wholesome states of mind, those states that nourishes us, that uh, sustains us, that um, support us in, in being free from clinging, being free from suffering. Um, there are different ways in which we can sustain, we can access, you know, those uh, those mind states. But there are some things that we need to do first, and is cultivating the conditions, cultivating the conditions for those mind states to be coming to being, so that 
we nourish them, we cultivate them, and 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 so we mature into into them in a way that sustain our practice. And so that is the first thing that I want to mention, how it is that through cultivating conditions, and I think that some of you talked about this implicitly, and I think that all of us have been doing this as we engaged into this program. We, you're, you are already uh, cultivating these wholesome states by setting the conditions to participate in the program by setting the conditions of dedicating, you know, directing your attention, your energy into being together today and, and practicing together. So um, there are moments in which, you know, these efforts are not, you know, these, uh, these wholesome states are, are not present, but we can, you know, depending in the conditions that we have, if we have the intention, okay, I do want to cultivate my practice in a way that supports ease, in a way that supports um, calm, in a way that supports presence, awareness. Um, we can go back to, okay, what can I do here to... Um, to, to have the conditions that support those qualities. And so, for example, Ram talked about choosing what, what are the best times during the day for, for him to meditate. So those are conditions. We can set those type of conditions. We may know that we have some tendencies or, or some beliefs or some views that may um, support uh, states of mind that may not help us. Um, conditions would be to, okay, I, I know this for a fact, so let me just, like Liz was talking about, uh, let me just bring conditions that will cultivate the opposite that will cultivate in, instead of worry, calm. Um, so for example, right now, um, in, in, with everything that is going on, you know, we may have a, a wish or um, we may have um, a, a, the desire of checking the news all the time. And so we can say, well, let me see, maybe these may be helpful, maybe it may not be helpful. I may be contracted um, a lot. So what about if I check the news just one time a day? So we're setting, setting conditions is really key for arousing wholesome states that are not present yet. And also for maintaining them when they arise. Um, other things that um, we are doing is we're cultivating our practice through the four foundations of mindfulness. We are cultivating mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of thinking, and mindfulness of emotions. 
and we're present. You know, we, we, as we develop, as we heighten our awareness to these different um, ways of practicing, um, we can start developing insight and wisdom into, into differentiating, differentiating, okay, this is useful, this is wholesome, this is helpful, this is not helpful. And then we have a moment to choose by really seeing how, what it is the felt experience here. Does this benefit us? Does, it, does this benefit others? Does this benefit all? So um, <clears throat> another example is like um, when we are, um, you know, trying to, to have, a, 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 the, have the arousal of these wholesome states that have not arisen yet. There may be uh, moments in which we interact with people or that people come to mind that we have some aversion to. And in those moments, you know, we may, instead of remembering the struggles that we have with this person, we may be remember the virtues of this person. We may shift our mind to remember some wholesome qualities, something, something about the goodness, the virtues of this person. And so that will support us in cultivate, cultivating also a wholesome state um, on how it is that we're relating to this person. Um, you know, maybe appreciating, appreciating um, something that this person did for us, for others, how this person is in the world. Um, another way that I have found um, also that has helped arise, you know, the arousal of these wholesome states is the cultivation of loving kindness, the cultivation of compassion, the Brahmaviharas, the sublime abodes, um, the sympathetic joy <laughs> and equanimity. So, you know, there may be moments in which we can direct our mind to these thoughts of kindness toward ourselves, toward others, and actually is, is, is a way of developing continuity and developing um, kind of a steadiness in the mind uh, so that... Um, we can then act from a place of, of wise action, you know, a place out of wise intention of loving kindness and compassion. So we can also um, set in the conditions by practicing um, the, the Brahmaviharas so that it can support us in how it is that we choose. It's hard. It, it would be hard sometimes to, you know, if we are, um, if, if we're infusing our ourselves with loving kindness, it may be hard to, for us to choose 
to do something that is very, very hard on ourselves. At least for me, when, you know, if I'm trying too hard, um, and I may take a moment to be kind to myself, I may go back and like, Bruni, just slow down. You don't, you don't need to try this hard. You know, it could be, it could be, you can engage in, you know, you can be kinder, you know, there's no need. Is there's a need, there's a moment of uh, exploration there in terms of how much effort do I need to do here, you know, to arouse these wholesome states. Is it is too much? Is too, and I'm trying too hard, you know, and I'm throwing the, this phrase that, uh, throwing the baby with the water or something like that. So, um, so we need to find a way when, you know, these wholesome states are not immediately present, how it is that we can, um, you know, like kind of planting the seeds so that they start arising. Another way is, you know, when we're committed, we're engaging in the path, is remembering past experiences where these wholesome states of mind um, were present. And you can check, you know, what happened at that moment? You know, what conditions were present? What, how, what happened in, in, in that moment that, that I was able to see, oh, this is beneficial. <coughs> and there may, <coughs> there may be some of the <coughs> those conditions that you can bring back for these uh, wholesome states to arise. Um, let me shut here a minute. Um, there is another group, another set of teachings that um, I will just mention them for you to, uh, if you want to explore them. Um, Two, um, that the Buddha said that, you know, they're also useful in in cultivating um, so that it support, you know, the wholesome states and is the also seven factors of awakening. Um, And, you know, some of those factors I have mentioned already, you know, like calm, uh, mindfulness, being mindfulness through the four foundations of mindfulness, um, tranquility, you know, we can cultivate, um, you know, con- we can set conditions uh, within our practice also to cultivate tranquility. Now, there are moments also that these wholesome states of mind, and this is the fourth way of applying effort within wise effort, um, and is the maintaining when these wholesome states are present and or have arisen, how it is that we maintain them. Um, Because sometimes they can be present for, you know, for a few minutes, but, you know, something may happen and our attention diverts into something else. Um, So when we have had the experience of these wholesome states to be present, when we have that experience, we may be able to see 
to to have a taste of this is this is good this really this has value this really support my well-being this really support the well-being of others this uh supports non-harming you know this i can i can definitely at will choose to maintain these wholesome states what can i do <coughs> to maintain them so that is another way <clears throat> the conscious choice the 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 choice okay i am going to to continue cultivating these conditions i'm i'm going to um choose to keep my attention into a mind infusing my mind with loving kindness. I will um, choose at will, like Liz was talking about. Um, I will choose not to engage into an unwholesome state as I already abandoned it. Let me just keep myself on this other side of maintaining the wholesome states. And I'm going to give you an example of that. So, for example, uh, Susan talked about the latte. I can talk about black, uh, uh, black raspberry chocolate chip ice cream. And, you know, I can tell you, I mean, just thinking about it, it brings a smile into my face. I, I just love the color of that ice cream. It's, it's a beautiful color. It tastes wonderfully. It has big chunks of chocolate graters ice cream. Um, and I know for sure that if I, <clears throat> if I go to the supermarket right now and say, okay, I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some ice cream. But if I haven't eaten anything and if I, if I just go out of, you know, that desire going into a craving, going into a hindrance, um, it will be really hard to abandon it and then stay into a wholesome state. But, you know, I know how much I like it and I really appreciate how wonderful it is to have it when I feel at ease, when I feel calm, when I have moderation in eating. So I'm just gonna go and get it you know after i have eaten after i have lunch i uh, i stayed man i maintained this mind of care and and letting go and and i you know i remember i appreciate and this is a part of maintaining wholesome states i appreciate this this state of being at ease I appreciate that I have support from friends. I appreciate that we're all practicing together. And, and all that supports me in, in maintaining uh, the wholesome state. And, and then if I can choose at will, um, you know, with no contraction, with an open hand, going and have a little bit of ice cream, great, I can do that. Uh, but again, is within that perspective of maintaining wholesome states. Um, 
So another way, another way to maintaining these wholesome states um, is also to remember <clears throat> when they are present, how it is that we feel. And this is another way of saying what I just said. Know when they are present. Know when they are absent. And know what, <clears throat> what even if you're in between, you know, of, okay, do I want this wholesome state or, or not? Um, notice, notice the felt experience of when they are present and when they are absent. That will help you in, again, setting conditions, remembering consequences, remembering wise view and wise intention. Wise view and wise intention is just drives the wise effort in, in a way that, you know, with, a, it, with a, you know, that, that, that energy behind, it, it may be strong enough within your practice that it will help balance uh, the hindrances that Lee's talked about. Um, let me see what else is here. And so we continue, we continue engaging in the practices, in the actions that help us cultivate wholesome, um, wholesome, um, it just went blank, wholesome actions, wholesome, uh, 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 wholesome states of mind. Um, and then there is this other question about how it is that we make that effort how it is, because there's not only the intention, but again, there's this, how it is that we engage. And I think that Susan also talked a little bit about, you know, the attitude, the how we engage also may also touch on, on the attitude. Um, how we show up in our practice, it, it also is a big, big way of um, seeing how it is that the, the, the effort, the wise effort will unfold. We may have big expectations. We may have, you know, at some point, depending on, depending on what we are engaging in and why, <laughs> it could be how we engage in our relationships, in our livelihood, um, in some projects, you know, we may say, you know, I'm going to give all my best here. And we may have like a big, big sense of striving or a big sense of commitment. But again, like some of you said, if we force things, you know, there may be some contraction. There may be something that it will, it will, uh, it is almost that that wise effort becomes a little bit foggy. It, it may become not, not, not as wise as we would like to. And so again, going back to the felt experience, how does it feel when you engage? What is the level of effort and how does it feel in your body? 
when you engage? How does it feel in your mind when you engage? You know, there may be moments that, uh, like Gil talks in, you know, says in, in his talk, for abandoning um, unwholesome states and making the effort to, you know, setting the conditions to arouse uh, wholesome states, we may have to do a brave effort. You know, we're talking about, you know, maybe if we're struggling with an addiction or we are struggling with a habit, you know, that, that, you know, not as strong as an addiction, but maybe, you know, a struggle or something that we know that is not useful. Um, we, we may need to put a lot of effort and we may need support from our Sangha, you know, take this, I don't want it, you know, or, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to pass on the ice cream this week. I'm just talking about it, but, um, <clears throat> There may be other moments in which you are well established in your practice. You are being supported by all the factors of the path. And there may be a little effort that you may need to apply. No, that's, I know what is going to happen. I have practice. I know, I know how it can turn out. So I'm just going to do something else to maintain these wholesome states. This is, this is too precious to me. So notice also how it is that you engage in the effort. And um, let's see. And I think that with that, um, I think that we will, with that, I will end. You know, it's like these arousal of wholesome states that have not arisen yet, setting the conditions, seeing what worked before, value your efforts, and then maintaining them, appreciating, nourish yourself, celebrate, and bask, bask in those wholesome states where they are present so that you remember how it feels and you have that discernment. Um, of choosing what is best for you. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, so now, uh, let's see here. Uh, we are going to go into the breakout session number two. <clears throat> and so I'm going to give you two questions. And the first question is, how do you recognize wholesome states? How do you recognize when they're present? There must be something that tells you, oh, this is, this is a wholesome state. A wholesome state, a state that brings ease, happiness, calm. Um, the second question is, what resources you tap into? What resources within you do you tap into in arousing wholesome states? 
what resources you tap into in arousing wholesome states. So we will continue with the same format of going around, answering the question, and the next person answering the question, listening mindfully, and then you can go again <coughs> if you have, you know, if you have the time. Um, listening to others, sometimes we remember other things in which, <coughs> you know, we, we, can, we can also arouse those wholesome states. And so we will have, um, again, the same, same amount of time, six minutes. Um, oh, wait a minute. Ten minutes, you mean? Ten minutes? Yes, yes, ten minutes so that they can settle <coughs> within the times. Uh, so I'm sorry, I do have, the, the second question has two parts. So the second question, the what resources you tap into arousing uh, wholesome states, there's also the question of, and, and so once you tap into them, how you can continue nourishing them? How you can continue nourishing them? Okay. So what resources you tap into in arousing wholesome states and how you can continue nourishing them. I just sent them out on chat. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. So we will be back. Uh, um, you know, seven. maybe we could just allow three questions and three or four people's 10 minutes is a bit short. Maybe we could go a little longer, like, um, I think we have plenty of time. Should we go like 14 yeah. minutes and a minute of warning? Actually, that's, yeah, that's, that's good, Chris. Yeah, okay. because we All right. So we can, we can go back like um, around 10, 10 after three, I have, or? Yeah, about, it'll be about, by the time we get organized, it'll be about four, five, 14 or 15 after. Oh, let's say 15 after then. Yeah, I just have to set a time, so it'll, it'll be approximately that. Okay, okay. let's do that. Here we go. Okay. Are you okay? Yeah? Yes. Great. Okay, so I think that Jan... Jan was going to speak. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Great. So how do you recognize wholesome states where, when they are present and how, how do you nourish yourself with them? And how, how is it? Any, um, let's see, what was the? Donna has her hand up. Okay. Um, I, you know, I thought that was, that was very interesting. But, um, you know, I, I think it feels more expansive to be oh, yeah. in a home state. 
feel a sense of a expansive uh, expansiveness as opposed to constriction. Um, and I'm also finding that right now, everything that I usually do has been canceled. So mm. it's really interesting to have this huge amount of time and, and see what unfolds. Um. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's important, I think, that to recognize, even, even in the midst of situations like this, that there are moments of spaciousness and that there are moments of wholesome states and, and that, <clears throat> you know, that, that it, it's important to recognize them and to nourish ourselves because, you know, it balances, it balances us too. Any, anything that, <clears throat> no recognition or what, what did you talk about? I'm really curious. Sorry. <laughs> yes. We talked about, um, our group talked a little bit about how we feel it in our body. Mm -hmm. um, well, both the body and the mind, but uh, several people <laughs> mentioned the body as a, a way of, um, of feeling that. And for me, I feel it like it's a, it's a very, it's located in my chest. Mm -hmm. Like, so I feel, and it's, I think it's because when I feel anxious, I often feel that anxiousness in my chest. So when I feel um an ease and ease or calmness there is this kind of i loved what people were just saying about expansiveness or spaciousness so i think when i have that that's one way of of recognizing that it's a, a wholesome state um and then we also talked a lot about um community in terms of supporting that state uh surrounding ourselves with this group or other um friends or meditators um and talked about a grat like gratitude journals talked about um setting a routine so that there was there would be um bot different body practices that also support it like yoga or tai chi or um um hiking out in nature or just getting outside um and i guess the thing that that someone brought up in our group was about the idea of the routine because that when we get to the moment of, um, I really appreciated this because it totally resonated. When we get to the moment of starting to think about whether we should do the wholesome practice that we know will feel good, we're usually already in a bad state where we don't want to do it. <laughs> and so by setting the routine, there's, you don't question it and you just, you, you try to get on some sort of autopilot pilot. So you don't, for me personally, I don't, so I don't get to question it cause I'll, then I'll put it off all day. Um, and then either do it when I'm completely a mess or, or I've, I've already gone into a downward spiral and I won't do it. I won't do the practices that are wholesome. So we just, so those are the things we talked about, like setting a routine to do body practices, sitting, meditating, as well as whatever else works for you and then gratitude journal, um, community, and just noticing, taking time to notice, check in. Fantastic, thank you.
What else? Any other resources? I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I know, I know that you all have resources. We've been practicing Jane. together. Yeah, Jane. Um, you can unmute yourself, Jane, please. I'm great. Sorry about that. Thank you. I have to say that it's um, really um, uh, nourishing to see familiar faces mm -hmm. uh, in this group that are on the same track and practicing as a reminder that we're, you know, a part of a collective even though we feel isolated. So I'm really grateful for the technology that allows us to come and share like this. And um, it's, it's good. So thank you. Thank you. I had been uh, sharing with uh, with my group that um, I think I'm really early in my in my practice with understanding this whole part of this topic, where I feel like it's very much a matter of either it's a wholesome state or it's not, and I know it when I when I'm in the middle of it, but I'm I'm not so aware of how to protect myself. And, and protect my, my experience from, from the unwholesome things. But I do know that when things line up, and it's definitely, a, a, I, I'm very aware of when it's a wholesome state and things are calm and things feel quite good, that you had asked, um, Bernie, to, for us to um, look at the question, what do you do to nourish that wholesome mm -hmm. state and I'm not there yet at all. I just am delighted to have it nourishing me. And it doesn't feel like it runs out of energy or that it's uh, a very temporary thing. It's just that my experience is that when it arrives and I'm, and I'm, when we meet I'll put it <laughs> that way, when we meet um, that the, the energy of the, everything that's going right for the wholesomeness seems to propel itself and take me with it. So I think that's kind of a naive or early experience, but that's, that's the best way I can describe it for me. Thank you. And, and you know, that's, that's, that's just fantastic because it, Jill, it tells us we, our practice unfolds in, in many different ways. So, I, I just want to normalize uh, that it may not, it may not be only of you know um, because of um, a begin you know kind of a, a practice in the beginnings or not it may happen at any moment and if if it manifests like that that's wonderful is that you receive that nourishment so um, thank you for sharing that because it's another perspective maybe others here too have that experience and. I can I can I can say that I have had that experience too. But then it you know, just takes me into that nourishment. So thank you. 
So, um, one more. <clears throat> Do you feel complete? I say. So, two things. This is from um, one member in our breakout group um, brought in the notion of bringing uh, uh, Brahma Viharas into the practice and approaching a uh, day-to-day -day engagement with that mindset, which I'm very grateful for bringing that perspective. That was really nice. The second one, what I thought was, it's, it kind of goes across question one and two in a sense. Uh, I was conditioned with a pretty high expectation pretty much most of my life. So I have been generally very restrictive in terms of uh, acknowledging people being showing gratitude uh, or even uh, I, somehow the bar was artificially high, my own thinking. One of the profound changes following the mindfulness path has brought in me is lower or eliminate the path, truly appreciate and be very generous about communicating it as such, number one, yeah. and really yeah. show the sense of gratitude to anything and everything. <laughs> uh, and really acknowledge people's effort. I mean, that was not how I was before. There was a effort doesn't matter, results matter <laughs> kind of a mindset. But that's the that's the world I was brought up and that's the world I worked in most of my career. But coming into the mindfulness practice, be more open-minded, more generous, showing true appreciation to people, certainly one way for me to build my own wholesome states and preserving them and building on top of them and truly seeing the goodness and appreciation from people who contribute to that my states. That's great. Thank you, Ram. Thank you. So let's take a moment now then to sit together, to close our time together today. Just taking two or three breaths to remind us that <clears throat> that we're here continuing receiving life. Engaging in a path of well-being. Of cultivating our hearts and minds. Independently of the circumstances, independently of where we are geographically, the practice is within us, with us, is us as we engage in the path. Appreciating our efforts, our wise, wholesome efforts of being here. Appreciating the presence of others supporting our practice, this community, this Sangha. Take a moment to to bask yourself in this field of refuge, 
refuge in community, refuge in practice, refuge in your capacity to be free. Expressing gratitude. And just expanding <clears throat> this sense of gratitude and kindness and goodwill to ourselves and everyone, everyone without exception in this program, in this call. Everyone that we bring to mind or that we connect in one way or another these days. May you be well, may you be at ease, may you be healthy. Expanding those wishes to your loved ones, your communities, to even people we don't know. Expanding to the entire humanity and to all beings, four-legged, three-legged, one-legged, everyone, without exception. Feeling, sensing our bodies sitting, receiving the sound of my voice, and being aware of your thoughts and your wishes for everyone. May all beings be free, may all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy and no peace. May all beings be healthy and no peace. Thank you so much. A special thanks to Chris and uh, Tanya, who provided technical support for all of us today. My goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you to all of you. Take good care.